This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you? I'm doing well, Sean. How are you doing today? Doing well, Derek. We're now 48 hours removed from Kentucky's heartbreaking loss to Ole Miss in overtime. Uh, Derek, looking back at that game, we we both predicted that it was going to be a close game. I think I said 38-34. We were in that that range. Uh, just now 48 hours removed from that. I, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to go back and watch that game again. I'm, I'm sure you've went back and looked at some plays and some clips. But now that we've digested that this team is 0-2, a spot where I don't think any of us would have predicted them or even – I don't even think we even entertained the idea that it was going to happen. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a tough road coming up, certainly. You know, you get three opponents that are, you know, Mississippi State's coming off a pretty surprising loss to uh, Arkansas. I know when we recorded this, it was during their game on Saturday night, so we haven't really had a chance to talk about that yet. But, you know, probably just as shocking as their week one win over LSU (laughs) is that they turned out around and lost. But, you know, after them, though, no no matter what happens, you have two very difficult games at Tennessee and at – or sorry, at home against Georgia. So it's going to be a, a tough few weeks. I think going into this week, you know, in the kind of the micro level, I think there's a argument to be made. This is probably the biggest week they've had in a number of years. There was a game between these two programs four years ago that was a pretty significant game for Mark Stoops that sort of propelled Kentucky to bowl eligibility with the Austin McGinnis kick. And then two the game a couple years ago following the Florida win was a big game that sort of sent Kentucky to, you know, to new heights and, and things there. So I think that this game, it's one of those games every single year that you kind of circle and you know if, if you win it, it sets you up to do some good things. If you lose it, it really puts you behind the eight ball because it's one of those games that both these programs need. And uh, I think both of them need it now. I think uh, – Stoops obviously needs it more than Leach because Leach has the LSU win. Uh, but then you follow Leach followed it with the Arkansas loss. So I'm sure if, if Leach loses this game, Derek, there's probably some people thinking, okay, what in the world do you make of this team? You think Bo Pelini's pretty bad at his job, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one who really gets shredded at LSU. But, no, we, we talked about it on the phone a few days ago that if Kentucky loses this game, they're pretty much staring down an 0-4 uh, year against the SEC West because I don't think anybody in their right minds on a pick Kentucky to beat Alabama. So that would be a disheartening 
start to this. And that's kind of the interesting thing. I totally agree with you. Both teams, you know, I feel like they kind of view each other, I wouldn't say as equals, but like Mississippi State's football history is not very good. Kentucky's obviously is not very good. Most years it's hard for either of those teams to really be better than like third in their own division. So I can see some similarities between the programs. But when you look at it over the last 10 years, Mississippi State's beaten Kentucky eight of those times. Now, to turn it around, though, the last two times on Lexington, like you mentioned, Kentucky has won. Um, and this one comes at a, a very important time. That it's, Again, I don't know how this year is going to be viewed. I don't in the long run. I don't know if you go seven and three, if it really slingshots your program forward, or if you go three and seven, how far back does it set it? I really don't know. But – the you know, only thing we can think of right now is just is just this week coming up and like at this level for what this season means. Like it's an extremely important game that Kentucky really has backed themselves in a spot where if you don't win it, that noise is going to be very loud the next Oops. few weeks. It's just not it's not looking good down the road. And this is what I think you would agree with me. It's the most winnable game they're going to play the next three weeks. It is like just given given history. It is the most winnable game. Uh, not saying that they can't compete with Tennessee, and then they not saying they can't compete with Georgia. It's just it is given it is the most winnable game when you look at just what's happened over the course of history. Like I wrote it today when we were when I was talking about Kentucky Tennessee time. Like they've not won in Knoxville since 1984. I mean that's that's not a good thing to have on your side when you're 0 and 3 going there and you're having to overcome that. Uh, Derek, were you surprised though that Kentucky opened as a favorite in this game, given Kentucky's secondary and the way that that defense has played, and given Mississippi State strength? Do you think that maybe Vegas is looking at the forecast? Yeah, forecast not looking good. You pointed that out to me. I hadn't even looked at it yet, but as of now on Monday night, seventy percent chance of rain in Lexington on Saturday. If that happens, then uh. You would think advantage UK just in terms of how they play. But real quick before I go into uh, the spread, shout out to you, Sean. You predicted a noon kickoff at Tennessee. You were right. I got to give you your props there. You nailed it. <laughs> that game will be on either ESPN or the uh, SEC Network, right? It's not been yeah, decided. And I, and I said both of those things too. That I said it might come down to they'll have to decide it. And I, I think it's one of those things. If uh, Kentucky wins Saturday, they probably get it. Then I, I don't know. It's. Uh, it's, we're throwing it back to those years in history where Kentucky Tennessee was a noon kick every single year. Yeah. Derek, it was I think for my childhood it was always noon. It's a big matchup, but Kentucky has a huge one this Saturday versus Mike Leach. It's a uh, the other thing too that I'll say here, Derek, is this Kentucky program. If they lose this game, it means that they've lost to two schools that are breaking in new head coaches. That's not what, and we made and that. And here we have to talk about it because that was a talking point that you and I made and multiple people that joined the show as guests is they liked Kentucky's continuity with the coaching staff. And so far, Derek, it has not paid off at all. No, it hasn't. I've, uh, maybe offensively in terms of, you know, what they did last week, you could say it was beneficial. But when Lane Kiffin could come in there with a brand-new team and scheme it up in a way that you, your eighth-year head coach with a defensive background – and a veteran team gets shredded like that. That's very worrisome. Um, and the point I want to make, what I was thinking about today when I was driving, is probably what's so frustrating, I would say, for this team, is that it's not a bad team. Like, it's one thing 
when you cheer for, you know, if you're a fan and you cheer for a team that you know is bad, like, it's it's one thing. Like, you can kind of accept losses when they happen. The amount of mistakes Kentucky has had that has been self-inflicted the last two weeks and the fact that your offense, uh, and I think we're going to get into it, but I'll go and bring it up now, but, like, Terry Wilson grades out as the second-best quarterback in the country about pro football focus. Chris Rodriguez grades out number one as a running back. You rush for 408 yards, total up 559 yards, and you lose simply because, I mean, for you know a number of reasons they lost that game, you can point to. But the, the main gist is they simply could not do anything at the Ole Miss's offense, which is pretty unbelievable, I would say, for a eighth-year head coach with a defensive background who is really breaking in no new players at all on no, defense. And, and Josh Ali was third by PFF. Yeah. So you had a guy at each position – on offense that that graded out really well. I mean, it's it's mind blowing to think that this team is zero and two when you they're leading the Southeastern Conference in rushing and everything. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Like I, they're the best zero and two team in the country, but that's not anything that's going to make anybody feel any better. Martin Simmons, those guys on the Cover Three podcast, which is a, maybe one of the most popular college football podcasts, have already put out a thing. I'm not listening to it yet, but I saw it on our message board. That uh, Kentucky's going to be the best three and seven team in the country. <laughs> so <laughs> probably right if that's the way it goes. As of right now, Sean, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but like that might be the most likely outcome of what we've seen so far. Right now, it's hard to predict any more than four wins. They would really have to turn things around these next two weeks to even get to five hundred this season. Yeah, and we're going to dive into that and the depth chart. Uh, but this episode is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub with two locations: one in Pineville, Kentucky; one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Get out there this week. Uh, try that buffalo chicken sandwich that I've been talking about for two weeks now. Get out there for Wing Wednesday, 75-cent wings on Wednesday, $2 domestics. And get out there for open mic night again on the weekend and watch Kentucky-Mississippi State. But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Kentucky Daily. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Kentucky Daily. Derek, I got to get your thoughts on this. And honestly, I can't believe that there's been so many comments. Now, I will say this. Majority have been in favor of Terry on some articles I've written the last two days and just some tweets that I've had. But there are a lot of people that still found a problem with his 14 of 18 performance and his three touchdowns on the ground and over 100 rushing yards. And I just, for the life of me, I've. I need someone to really, and I, if I need someone to really tell me and explain why, because I don't get what they're arguing about. Because we know nothing about Joey Gatewood, we haven't seen Bo Allen take a snap yet, and Derek, honestly, Terry did everything that Kentucky fans probably wanted him to do. You wanted to see improvement in ball security and decision making from the Auburn game, and you got it. And there's still people that don't have that. I'm convinced the dude could go out here and throw 500 yards against Mississippi State, and there'd be a select few people that would be like, "Okay, we got to go, Joey Gatewood. Why aren't we running two quarterbacks?" Like, what? What are you talking about? 
Yeah, if you watched Saturday's game and came away with the impression that Terry Wilson somehow played a big role in Kentucky's loss, then I think you just have something against the kid. Or you just don't really know what you're watching. Because I'll say it. I, I thought all around it was his best game he's played at Kentucky. <laughs> it um, was. Maybe, I mean, I know it was came on a losing effort, and people always point to the Florida game. Florida game was great. I think you could point to him really making some game-winning plays in that game. But he also had two turnovers, whereas Saturday, no turnovers. Had, had one – I mean, yeah, he had a few throws in the passing game. Like, he threw to a triple-covered <laughs> Justin Rigg that drew a flag. Like, that was a questionable decision. But, I mean, no quarterback's perfect. He had one throw that I thought – and I, honestly, I don't want to sound – I don't know. I'm just trying to say it from how I saw it in the press box, like – I'm not sure the TV did it justice, but like Demarcus Harris blew past his guy on the line, like it was wide open. And Terry, I mean, he did have a blitzer coming, so he didn't get to step into it totally. I would say he would admit that he needed to throw a little bit better ball right there, and maybe it takes away from the playmaking that Demarcus Harris would have had to have done. Now, granted, you got to help your quarterback out on a ball like that. It should have been caught. I will say this too, given that he that wasn't his only drop of the day. Who was who's to even say he'd have caught it if it had been a perfect throw? Because he he did not have the best day. I mean there there were some and we're, we see that sort of showing up on the depth chart now this week, and that's what we're going to get into now. Is you mentioned this, Derek? That once we got to this week, you would see quite a few changes on the depth chart. And I think that this is only the first week of what we're actually going to have to come here probably by the bye week. I think the bye week is when you're going to see some of these younger guys maybe get some more opportunities. The most notable thing on the depth chart, Derek, uh, when you look at it, is Akeem Hayes mm-hmm. is in there now starting at that wide, the wide receiver spot. Uh, you also look down to Joey Gatewood makes his first appearance. It's Joey Gatewood or Bo Allen. And then two – is Cavassier Smoke is missing, and it's because he's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think, honestly, I don't think Stoops sounded very optimistic that a couple is what it's limited to. It sounded like it could be longer, certainly this week and probably next week. And then, Derek, I'm going to say you might even get into the bye week before he's back. I mean, he has supposedly, Stoops said it happened on a horse collar tackle. I didn't see the tackle. I don't remember the tackle, but it was a broken rib and some torn cartilage in his ribs what he mentioned I don't know if it was I, I don't know if Stoops really knows what it was but it's something with his rib that sounds incredibly painful for one if that's what happened um but yeah some of these depth chart changes like Akeem Hayes jumps off to me because he's somebody every time he's touched the ball this year something goes happen I was surprised I didn't try to target him more now he was the recipient of the pass that on a screen that went for a first down the Cleveland Thomas was called for holding so he still got credit for the catch, but uh, the yardage is gone. But that's who Terry found who's wide open. So he's he's either Eddie's really scheming things up well for Akeem to get open when he's in there, or it's Akeem who is a pretty good route runner and can get open, uh, can beat DBs. Either way, with pretty much no one at this point showing up besides Josh Ali as a clear target, I think it makes a lot of sense to get uh, Hayes in there for more reps. Um and Bryce Oliver is, is I think he's been on the depth chart. He but has. it sounds like he's likely to be back Saturday. And, and he plays position as Harris. So I think uh I, I thought Oliver all along, like we talked about him quite a bit, right? In the preseason. He was a big we name there for a while. Like maybe at that point you'll have three decent kicker or sorry, 
something popped up on my computer with the kicker. Uh, three decent wide receivers um, who have proven, at least I think Oliver in his time last year has proven he can be a playmaker. I think you could see that passing game start to evolve a little bit more. Yeah, if you, given the confidence that Terry had, and the thing that people keep bringing up is uh, what will Terry look like against better defenses like Tennessee or uh, Georgia? We don't know, Derek. I mean, we still have to wait and see. Uh, if you take out the interception and the fumble at Auburn, I thought he played – I don't think he played poorly there. I, honestly, if I'm Mark Stoops in the staff – I feel really good about what Terry Wilson's done through two weeks, given the injury, and he missed out on an entire, an entire year of development last year. And he's already this. If well, I'll tell you this, if Kentucky had this version of Terry Wilson in 2018, they would have beaten Texas A&M. Yeah. And that's how much better I think Terry has been. And people, I honestly feel like people are blind to it right now. He, you know, he's at a spot now where I mean. I don't know how much of a question there was once, you know, had he come back from injury and looked pretty rusty, then it would have been one thing. But you can say Kentucky's two offensive performances in terms of when he was the quarterback anyway. I know they had some big games with Lynn, especially on the ground. They're putting up yards right now. I mean, they nearly had 400 on Auburn. And then last week, pushed 600. That might have been the most yards. Uh, no, probably Louisville 2018. They probably put up more yards than that. But besides that, it was one of the best yards. How they're, much? Still putting up, they're still putting up yards yeah, from that game. <laughs> you know, he's built a really good rapport, too, though. I mean, Josh Ali, like, let's, let's tip our hat to that kid. I had, yeah. had questioned him being a number one wide receiver on this podcast. You know, for what Kentucky is, he's proven that, no question, that he is a reliable guy. He He's always open. Like, that's one thing. Yeah. I mean, he is getting open well, and finding them. He's doing a really good job. I think Josh Ali has been – him and Wilson both, and, of course, all the running backs have had their moments, but those two guys have done a really good job through two games. I was told from someone last year that Josh Ali is the best route runner on the team, and that came from some people that know Josh, uh, have seen Josh, and just played with Josh, that they said that he is the best route runner, just didn't get a chance to show it last year because they didn't throw the, the football. I think you're seeing that now. He's He's been open a lot, Derek, and he's made some really nice catches and you mentioned the running backs. They've played well. Well, now you're you're going to get a chance. You're going to probably – does Jatan McLean break in there at any point? Does Travis Tisdale break in there at any point? Because with Smoke out for a few weeks, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you this. Chris Rodriguez is about to take over this backfield there. Um, that is my prediction. I've seen enough of him. I thought he ran the ball really hard at Auburn. He just didn't get opportunities to get chunk yardage because it was mainly in short yardage situations or in the red zone. Uh, I thought that he picked it up Saturday looking how he did late in the season last year. And this is no knock on A.J. Rose. He still has a role. But, Derek, I'll also tell you this. A.J., there has been there have been multiple times the last two years where I thought A.J. was going to go for a huge day. I'm talking like 200-plus yards, and I think that there were some opportunities there. But he started off really hot at Vandy, and then he fumbled, and he never saw the field again. And then you saw Saturday where he started off, and it looked like he's going to have a big day. And then after his celebration, you he didn't get the same amount of opportunities he did, and it was more Rodriguez in the second half. Uh, that's a guy that he's had opportunities, but he's just uh, – for a fifth-year senior – you can't just make the mistakes that he has the last couple of years. And, I mean, we saw what this staff did to Chris Rodriguez when he fumbled. He didn't get off the, the bench for like four or five weeks. 
Chris Rodriguez is a pretty good story for, for Kentucky. I mean, that was a kid, especially – and it's not to pick on. It's not to say kids these days. Like, I'm barely older than they are. But, like, I, I do think he could have folded last year, really. He could have just started pouting and saying, you know what, I mean, I, I made a couple of mistakes. Now these guys won't play me at all. He worked hard to get back on the field. He got some running garbage time at South Carolina, ran hard as hell, gets back in there, and he's been a main part of this offense ever since. So, Saturday yes. was a great game for him. I, I'm sure he's had other games where he – or was that a career high, 133? It was, I, it was a career – I think it was a career high. And I think – 100 yards, I think, was what the stat yeah. was. We've had some other games that were pretty solid, two touchdowns. You're right, he, he ran hard. Uh He's, I mean, he falls scored. That kid, you know, is not getting hit back. Like, any time we're on the goal line, I mean, you put him in, if you want to get these packages for Gatewood, just because he's such a big dude, um, that should be hard to stop down this offensive line. So that's what's kind of surprising. And, you know, I, I'm not a coach. I couldn't tell you why Kentucky's so poor in the red zone offensively. But, like, it doesn't seem like something that should be that big of a problem based on the personnel. But I, I totally agree with you, though, about Rodriguez. I'm sure Rose is still going to start these games, but just like the other day, Rodriguez finishes with 17 carries versus 12 for Rose. So he's going to be the guy when he's going. He's just kind of a prototypical SEC back and kind of speedy too for his size. He's he's going to go for for 160 to 200 in one game soon. I just that's how confident uh, I I like his style, Derek. I just I, I tweeted it three or four times the other day that he gets behind his pads. And he works for every single yard he gets, every single snap. And since those fumble issues at the beginning of last year, he's not had those problems. Like, that's what I'm getting at. That I think that's what, honestly, that is what told me that this, how special this kid is. Because they sat, I mean, look, it was a fumble. We've seen other running backs in this offense fumble, and they didn't get that treatment. And that right there tells me that they were serious, like, hey, clean this up. And, Credit to him. I mean, he has, and he's put himself in position. I'll ask you this about Smoke. Smoke is one of the most dynamic players I've seen when he gets the ball, Derek. I think his vision is off the chart. I think his speed and his burst and his wiggle is some of the best that Kentucky's had. But do you have any concerns about his durability? Because he gets banged up a lot. And I don't know, is it just unfortunate? But this isn't the first time, like we had the the game at South Carolina last year where he started out, and I think it was his head. I think it was migraines or something. He went out after a hit. And then I think there was another game, too, in the season where he got banged up at, mm-hmm. at times. So, I mean, I hate it because I feel like he's put himself in position to both those backs. I think all three of them are capable to run for a 1,000-yard season if they give given opportunities. But – you hate to see it with smoke because he's had he's had these issues with injuries where they've just lingered for two or three weeks in the past, and I I guess it is a concern a little bit. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, playing running back, you get beat up. That's for sure. You're gonna take a lot of shots, a lot of contact. He, you know, it was one thing that was pointed out by Eddie because Eddie Grant this spring was that it was yes, he said it was his best fall or yeah, his best fall camp. Because he was able to stay healthy. That's the coach mentioning that. It's not us saying that. That's a coach pointing out his durability and that he was able to stay healthy. Now he's at a point where a broken rib sounds incredibly painful. Um, Doubt you'll see him rush back. So, yeah, he's going to probably miss three games probably, maybe more. Um, It's a loss. You know, it's a position where I feel like they can sustain it. But now, you know, Sean, I guess the question becomes is that Travis Tisdale – 
who Stoops has mentioned before, being somebody he wants to have a chance with the ball, or Jutal McClain, the kind of hyped-up freshman that uh, Eddie Grant has, has loved since he's been on campus. You know they're going to have to play a third back at some point. So they, they who would have you to. He's going to be the guy. Given the history, I think it's going to be Tisdale, just because I think that they they give everybody a shot. And the fact that, I mean, we when we saw him last year, I think it was last year against, was it UT Martin they played last year? And he went in, I mean – we were sitting there wondering, man, this this kid's good enough to get on the field if they didn't have three guys in front of him that are great. So I would go Tisdale. I think he gets an opportunity first. And uh, then from there, I mean, the way they praised Jatom McLean during camp, I mean, it wasn't just the coaches. It was, I mean, he, his name was mentioned by multiple people. Uh, but Derek, the one thing that we have to talk about on this podcast is this secondary is a mess. I mean, it's a it's a total mess, and we did, and it wasn't us. Yes, we talked about the hop, but when you have the coaching staff that's talking about individual players, and you have the coaching staff talking about how good this group can be, and going off of what we saw last year, and then you add in Kelvin Joseph, you get Devontae Robinson back, you hear all this talk about Vito Tisdale and these young guys, I think anybody – that watched last year probably would have been sucked into believing that this group would have been probably the, I guess, something that they could lean on early in the season. And it has been the exact opposite. You could actually make a case that it's cost them both games. I mean, that's yeah. that's where they're losing games. They're losing games there, and here's the next thing. They're not getting turnovers. They're not even near. They're not even – if they get a turnover right now, it's because the, the other quarterback – accidentally threw the ball to him, mistaking it for the other team. That's the that's the closest that this secondary is getting to the ball until they chase somebody down. I think I saw a tweet, probably from Adam Luckett, who I give a lot of shout-outs to. He, uh, he's a good follow on Twitter. Very knowledgeable. Yes, he he's very good. Um, I think it was him who tweeted this, that they have one pass breakup the whole season. One. They've been, they've been near the ball. Yeah. Even Crowell the other day, I feel like every time he threw an incompletion, it was still like on point. I and mean, wasn't that pass breakup? Wasn't it the first play of the game at Auburn? It, was it that play? Might have been. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it was a Bo Nix play, or maybe it was just I don't know. But wh- what do you do? And then here, I'll we got to say this too. And I'm not, I'm not hating on the kid. I want to see Kelvin Joseph live up to his billing. I want to be able to call him boss man. But. Derek, what we've seen from him right now, I'm not impressed. And I'm not impressed because it has nothing to do with I don't think that he can improve. When, you, when you're when you out there on social media and you talk this talk, at some point you have to live up to it. You have to back it up. This is an unforgiving league. They yeah. don't – they when these players see this stuff, Derek, they're, they're wanting to abuse these guys. They, they're – I mean, here, here's the thing. Everybody that plays football in this league, 75% of them hope, have hopes and dreams of making it to the NFL. And the guys that Boss Man's matching up with, a lot of those guys are going to play in the NFL. We know that he hopes he plays in the NFL. But at some point, you have to put up or just shut up. I'm sorry. Like, that's just that's just being blunt. And then the most disappointing thing that I saw tonight was his tweet. And – it's it's to me it's just a bad look and maybe there'll be people that disagree with this. So Kentucky, we know Kentucky has an issue with their kicking game. It's not a secret. They've had an issue with their kicking game for two years now, and 
we all know that that's going to be a priority of having to get fixed or they're going to continue to lose close games. Well, so this kicker, Jalen Troutman. Yeah, who's he, on the who this guy is. No, he, puts a, he posts a video. If UK offers me, I'll commit on the spot. He may be a wonderful kicker. He may be a great kicker. He may could kick at Kentucky, but this is not about Jalen Troutman. This is about Boss Man quote-tweeting it with the, the eye emojis. Okay, great. Maybe for future years you look this kid, but when you just had your teammate miss an extra point and a field goal, here's the difference in leadership. Josh Pascal's quote after Saturday's game when he was talking about that, you know, that they, they lost the game in other places, that it wasn't that. That is leadership. That is what this team needs. It doesn't need this tweet where you even think of, oh, how do you, what do you think Matt Ruffalo and Chance Poor see if they see this tweet? Like, I'm sorry, just given the timing, it's it's in poor taste. It's horrible. It's also like Kellen Joseph, like he's not playing well. Like it's one thing if it's a guy who's like holding up his end of this thing. Like he has probably been the most talked about guy in terms of struggles through two weeks is Joseph. I mean, this is a guy who had top 50 prospect, played at LSU, who has been disappointing, he said. I mean, it's, it's the fact. Like he's had a disappointing two games. Now, what you brought up the point I wanted to make, and you did it, and I think it's a great point to make. Josh Pascal immediately was like, "Well, as a defense, you know, he didn't say it. I'm paraphrasing. Basically, he was saying like, we suck tonight. We could have helped our teammate out if we just would have got a stop, and people wouldn't have had to have talked about Matt missing that kick. And they didn't do it, but you know, Josh has taken that responsibility. He's a captain, you know." Clearly, with all he's been through off the field, he has the respect of his teammates. He, uh, I think Josh Pascal is one of the most wonderful young men that UK has and has had in a long time. He is. Um, you, you made a great point. Like this, it is a bad look. It's a bad look for Boss Man. That's what we're going to call him. I'm going to keep calling him Kelvin for Kelvin Joseph to um, to do that. You're right. Like nobody feels worse about missing the extra point than Matt Ruffalo. Yeah. You know, it's a big thing. You know. That might be something, to be quite frank, that he, he might not be able to get that out of his head. That might be something that sticks with him. He might not ever be the same as a kicker. He's a walk-on anyway or was when he got to UK. You know, I don't know if he ever really thought he'd be in the kind of spot that he was. And because of what yeah. happened, you have people saying, oh, Kentucky lost the game because their kicker mixed an extra point. Like It's not that simple, but I can see why it's said that way. Now, Joseph, he needs to stop tweeting. But either stop tweeting or start playing well because – you can say you can run your mouth and do all this stuff whenever you're good and you back it up. But whenever you're the one who is getting burnt time after time, how many t- how many touchdowns have been scored on that kid this year? He's Three? he's a mag- he's a magnet for six points right now. Like if yeah. he's near somebody, it's going to be a touchdown. And I, here's the thing, Derek, I, we don't criticize these players and their performances. Like it, we get it. Like this is hard, but at the same time, like the moment he goes and plays well. We're going to get on this podcast, and we're going to give him a ton of credit, and we're going to say, look, that's what – Yeah, Everybody that's, when he made the goal line stop. Everybody was talking about – Yes, it was, a, it was a heck of a play. Yeah. But this is a bad look. It was a bad look when he walked across the line of scrimmage and pushed a, an Auburn wide receiver a week ago. It was a bad look when he got on Twitter and got emotional after the game. Uh, I get it. I was 20 years old at one point, and I don't know if, if I could – handle the mentions and all this stuff but at some point this is the this is the path that you chose you chose to play this game you chose to play division one college football uh this is a fan base Derek whether they're 
10 and 0 or 0 and 10. They're passionate. And that's what I think makes the BBN so special is the fact that they, they love their football just as much as they love their basketball. And when you have boss man fat and Kelvin Joseph, and you've heard this name for 12 months now that he's going to come in and anchor the secondary, these fans believed it and they want to see it. And at some point you have to perform. If you don't perform, somebody else is going to get an opportunity to do it. We've seen it in the past. And for him, I hope he gets his chance and I hope he lives up to the hop. Yeah. I mean, you're going into week three now. It's time to, it's time to start playing. And, you're right. I, I very rarely will directly criticize a kid, but when you like do the eye emoji thing and like clearly what he's saying is like, okay, guys, like offer this kicker because ours isn't any good and we need a new one. Yeah. And like, what? Well, I mean, like take a look in the mirror, man. Like you've played as bad as anybody through two weeks and we probably don't bring that up if he doesn't tweet that tonight. But whenever you yeah. like open yourself up that way to like pretty publicly call out a teammate, that's what I'm going to call it. Like he's basically calling out the kicking game. And I'm sure that's been addressed by Stoops. I'm sure, you know, they've, they're taking a look at it. They'll do what they can to fix it with their limited options that they have. But he should well, delete that. I don't know if he has yet, but, I mean, it's already hasn't. out there. Well, so. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I think that this program, Derek, from for the most part, I think all these these, these are all good kids. They're they're great kids. You you mentioned the Josh Pascals. Uh, the Josh Ali's, the Terry Wilsons. This program, it has great men in it and I just think that and sometimes too Derek that I don't even think a lot of the maybe some of these guys they don't realize that they're being a bad teammate in a situation like that and that's where you need these Josh Pascals I'm sure it's going to be addressed somebody's going to tell him something and it's somebody's job to tell him something like Landon Young a Drake Jackson like look you don't do this you pick your guys up and things like that I mean we saw smoke well we saw smoke uh you know, A.J. Rose, it looked like A.J. did get in the end zone again. So it looked like Kentucky was across the goal line for a second straight week and didn't get a touchdown. And Smoke quote tweeted the ESPN clip and said, my man got in or whatever. You know what I mean? That's picking your guy up. You didn't – I'm sure – I don't know. I just – I hope that this is the only time that we ever really have to go all in on Kelvin Joseph because I do think he is talented. I do think he has the potential. I mean, LSU saw something in him to, to get yeah. him there. And then Mark Stoops, they didn't just take him just because he played at LSU, Derek. They saw something on tape that they like in him, and they've seen something in practice. This, this is These coaches aren't stupid. They know what they see. At some point, though, you have to live up to it. And they're depending on him. Yeah, Kelvin wouldn't be out there if, if Stoops and Brad White and Plinkska, all those guys, didn't think he was the best option. But you're right. At some point, you have to produce, or I mean, you leave the coaches no choice. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I, I get it. Like I didn't, okay, I didn't play college football. I didn't play college sports. I, I just don't think there's like maybe in high school and lower you can have like the political thing. Like coach plays a guy who so he likes. Like I think there's just way too much on the line for these coaches to play favorites. I mean, maybe they have a longer leash with some guys versus others. I don't think I would argue that. But they don't just flat out refuse to play good players. Like their livelihood is based on winning games. Coaches at this level are going to play whoever helps them win games. And Kelvin had done enough to win the starting job as a cornerback over guys, over two corners, or at least one corner, Cedric Dort, who started the whole last season. So it's time. You know, I don't know what else could be said to this kid. Like, his name's been in the media. He's been getting asked about for two weeks now. So, you know, he hears it. It's time to go out and perform. It is. And, you know, Stoops even mentioned that in the uh, post-game presser the other night, you know, that it's time 
uh, that, you know, these guys, when when they talk, this talk, Derek, it's, yeah, it, here's the thing that I, I, I had a coach tell me one time. It's fake confidence if you don't back it up. Yeah. And, and I just think that that's true. And I think that he can back it up. And he's going to have an excellent opportunity to back it up Saturday. That's the beauty of this sport. You you get another opportunity this week if you're healthy to go out there and do it. Uh, and this is the team that they need him. They need him to be the anchor of that secondary. And I guarantee you, the moment that he starts playing better, Derek, we see some of these secondary issues go away. And that's what Mark Stoops and the staff has to get you know get figured out. And I will ask you this too. We've talked about this off the podcast. Uh, Dean Hood no longer on that UK sideline now head coach at Murray State. So he was he had a he had a lot to do with the defensive backs the last few years and special teams. Do you, do you think that's a guy Kentucky's missing at all? Maybe his knowledge in all the years he was a head coach? Yeah, I think they're definitely missing him. Um you know, he he had a lot of experience. He's a probably yeah, he was the most veteran coach on those staffs the last few years. I can't think of anybody else who would it was his age. I mean Dean had that experience as a head coach, but he'd also been a power five defensive coordinator for a number of years before that. Um, very good football coach. I mean, hell, Sean, look at what happened at EKU once he left. I mean, they've not been yeah. the same. I know he got fired because they didn't think he won enough games. Well, they've been nowhere near as good since he's been gone. Um, but at the same time, yes, I think I think he's a loss too. Like some of these guys just have to perform better on special teams, like. Yeah. And in the secondary, I mean, at some point the, the kids have to take responsibility. And we'll see. I mean, Stoops went with Frank Buffano to replace Hood. Uh, Frank hadn't been a coach at this level uh, or any level. I don't think maybe Youngstown State I think he might have been at in his past. But he was a guy who Stoops believed in. Um, he's not really been talked about a whole lot. Uh, one, I think his hiring kind of flew under the radar because it was right around the time of the pandemic anyway. So it just wasn't really something on the forefront. And, I mean, times were good, you know, in the offseason in Kentucky. There was a lot to look forward to. So, I don't think uh, – and Stoops, another thing I'll give him credit for, he has pretty much nailed all of his assistant coaching hires outside of the wide receiver spot. That's been pretty tricky. But especially defensively, everyone he's hired has been pretty good. So, I can understand why it wasn't discussed that much. But, yeah, you know, these things get brought up and the special teams unit isn't as good. Although, I just don't know what a – maybe a special teams coach would have a really good knack for what – Matt Ruffalo was doing because clearly he was pushing the ball right. He did it three times. Uh, missed yeah. the field goal off the right hash mark off the right upright. Hit the upright on one of his extra points that went in off the up right upright and then misses the extra point to the right. Like that yeah. is a mechanical issue that needs to be fixed. And uh, maybe you no one got there. You saw it coming. Like you, you saw it coming. Yeah. And I will, I'll tell you this too. You sent me a text right before he missed it and you asked me, if Kentucky scores, does Lane go for two if they score? He was going for two. Now. He yeah. was going for two, Derek, and they would have ran the play that they scored the touchdown on. That literally Kentucky it caught Kentucky off guard. And I just still I just feel like that how crazy is it though that Lane Kiffins had two games in Lexington, both of them overtime games, and walked away. I mean, with two just gut wrenching losses for this Kentucky program. Yeah, just escaped those games, uh, got out of there. You know, Lane, oh, I mean, another thing, dude, saying that they need to send a Christmas present to Kentucky State. 
Just a Elaine Kiffin comment, though, that you would expect to hear. Almost like something you would have heard Spurrier say. I, I, I don't know if Spurrier would have said that, actually. Maybe. He might have said that. So he's had some things in his day. But yeah, he has. That's just not going to make Matt Ruffalo feel any better <laughs> about how things no, are. All that comment. And, no. And, I mean, Matt's still listed as the kicker on the depth chart this week. But I think it you're going to see Chance Porter get some opportunities there as well. I, I said this in the past that at some point, it's it's Chance's job. Like that's why they recruited Chance. They gave him a full ride, Derek, which is not something that a lot of kickers get at other schools. I think I at some like point that's who that's who they want to be the kicker long term is Chance Poor. That's why they recruit him and hopefully when he gets his opportunity, you mentioned that about Ruffalo that it's hard to forget when you yes, those those extra points they missed last year that didn't cost them games. Those are one thing. You forget those. But when you have a play like that that costs you a game, you know, I remember last year what Chance Poor went through with messages and DMs from fans and everything. And, and you know, Ruffalo got a little bit of that on his Instagram the other night too. So Well, and that's the thing too. I was going to mention that. Like, kickers are head cases. I don't think that's even an insult. Like, you'll, you'll get kickers who tell you that. Like, they are just – it's all it's mental. A really challenging position. Like you miss yeah. kicks, uh, and this is not the same comparison. But look at the Bengals kicker, Randy Bullock, missed a game tying field goal, like a chip shot for an NFL kicker. He's not missed a field goal since. Like that is a mentally strong kicker. Whereas last year, Chance Poor, at least at Mississippi State, didn't seem to either. He just wasn't. It seemed like he had a hard time getting that Florida miss out of his head because he missed yeah. some easy field goals at Mississippi State. But it's kind of sad how much like. These guys, Ruffalo got a chance because Poor didn't do a good job. Well, and Poor got another chance because Ruffalo missed two extra points against Missouri, and now it's going to be back to Poor because neither one of these guys can like do do what they need to do. Basically, well, I, I'll tell you this, and we'll close with this. It it's unfortunate, but it's it's the way that games play out, and it is in every single sport. The last mistake is the freshest mistake, and. Was Matt Ruffalo's missed PAT bigger than A.J. Rowe's early celebration? No, it wasn't because it doesn't even add up for the same amount of points. If you give A.J. Rowe six and seven counting the PAT early in the game, that's seven points to one point, Derek. But the reason why it's magnified is because it was the one that was the deciding result. That's what ended the game. They wouldn't have been in that position if they'd have had that or if DeMarcus Harris catches the, the ball from Terry Wilson. That's the unfortunate thing about it. Is it just it, – that's the timing, though. It's like Chance Poor's field goal last year. There was no guarantee that even if he had kicked that field goal that Kentucky's defense showed any signs of slowing down Kyle Trask and them going and getting one of their own. But it's the most – it's the freshest play. That's the one that everybody remembers is he doinks it off the upright or misses it wide right. That's And that's the clip that gets shown. It's also the easiest position to everybody who watches football and knows what the kicker's job is. A defensive lineman can screw up every now and then and cause a play to be a touchdown or yeah. a cornerback can mess up. A cornerback's actually a little bit more noticeable, but like there are positions where if a guy does the wrong thing, it can result in a big play, but not everybody's going to notice that. Whereas if the kicker screws yeah. up, everybody knows it, that the kicker screwed up. And I'm not saying that that point wasn't big. It was huge. But – Given the landscape of the game, it wasn't it wasn't ultimately the play that cost Kentucky and lost that game for Kentucky. Kentucky lost that game in other areas, and that's what Josh Pascal was alluding to with his comment that they that they didn't do the other things. And Matt was in a situation, Eric, where you said he had 
the ball was going, it was sailing right on him. I know he's thinking in his mind, don't kick it right. And he missed it right. But we're uh, we're going to have Chris Doring join us for an episode this week, a friend of mine, a friend of our show now. Uh, he was he was very he was excited when I texted him yesterday morning and asked him if he wanted to come on. And then two uh, another friend of mine that I've got to know in recent weeks, Jacob Hester, that played at LSU. We're, we might we might even have to bring up that game from 2007, see what he has to say about it. But both of those guys are going to come on this week and talk about the state of this Kentucky football team. And uh, Derek, I know that Chris is a guy that you've enjoyed listening to on that SEC Saturday where he is on from noon till midnight and just a guy that just keeps getting better at his job. Yeah. SEC football final. If you guys get a chance, they air it after the last game goes off on the SEC network. So um, good crew last week. It was uh, Roman Harper was on there with Doring and also Gene Chizik with uh, Dari Noka. So I think it's a career week. Maybe sometimes that changes, but yeah, and two, I'll I'll tell you this too. If SEC this morning's back to doing their telecast from the studio on Monday mornings, Monday morning with Peter Burns, they had Jacob Hester on this morning, Chris Doring. I recommend for you to listen to that show and go check them out. That's a really good show. I think it's seven to ten, seven a.m. to ten or eight to eleven yeah. Eastern yeah. time. Check out that one too. It's a good recap of the weekend. But we'll have Doring on this week. We'll have Jacob Hester on this week. Uh, Derek, I don't know. We do you have anybody lined up for Mississippi State? Are we looking at anybody? Yeah, I think we'll be able to get somebody. I don't want to say his name yet until I confirm it with them, but okay. I think we should have somebody on. Okay. Well, we got a we got a big week planned for you and uh, Kentucky Mississippi State. They'll kick off at 7:30 p.m. Eastern time Saturday night from Kroger Field on the SEC Network. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.